Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Why don't you open your Bible to Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. We are going to start there. And um, we are in uh, week two of a series where we're talking about miracles are normal. And uh, if you haven't already, if you were away hiding under a rock, doing whatever it is that you were doing and you missed last week, please, 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 for your benefit, will you go back onto our podcast and YouTube channel and hear Pastor Corey's message on the miracle mindset? Because here's what I know. The Bible says... The Bible says that we need to be renewed by the transformation of our mind, right? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And that was a brilliant foundation that the Holy Spirit imparted to us through Pastor Corey. And you need to make sure you listen to that. I'm hopefully going to build on that tonight uh, with what we have here. Um, I don't know about you, but there have been many times where I'm facing a challenge And it is so easy to forget the times that God has come through and I've seen the miraculous power of God in my life. And as I was preparing for this message, I I was just kind of sitting in my chair leaning back and I started to think about all of the times, all of the miracles that God came through. I can remember one time I was out playing golf and I got a phone call from my mum. I'm out playing golf and she rings me and says, Dave, uh, unfortunately, Dad has had a heart attack. He's now in hospital. We need to pray for him right now. So I remember literally on the 16th hole at Eagle Hawk Golf Club, I'm there and I'm saying, God, I need you to move in my dad's life. Thankfully, within about two or three months, he was out of ICU, out of that whole situation, and has since had a triple bypass and is living life better than ever. Because of the miraculous work of who God is, I think of my mum, who was unfortunately hit on the head uh, through a circumstance and an accident and developed epilepsy, severe epilepsy, and she made a decision in and of her life that she would not have kids or get married until she no longer had epilepsy because she was concerned that if she was holding a baby and had an epileptic fit, she might drop the baby. I am a here today, a, f- a real-life miracle because God met my mum at an altar and dramatically healed her body. Can I tell you that miracles are still normal? They're still for us today. And so many times, I actually think we need to start to go back into our memory and go, oh, that's right, God did this miracle in my life. I love the story of Joshua, where Joshua's, Joshua's uh, moving from from the wilderness into uh, crossing the River Jordan into the Promised Land. And God says to Joshua, would you build a memorial for what I have done so that every time you see it, you can communicate to your kids how your God has set you free. Because your testimonies are your memorial of what God has done in and through your life. And this is the life this is what it is being uh, and living a lifestyle of miracles. I want to talk in and around the subject of a lifestyle of miracles. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, to verse says, it says this, Now Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. 
And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms or money for those who were entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive money. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention towards them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter says, and this is like the famous quote of any Pentecostal preacher who preaches from this message. I remember it from the New King James. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately set his feet. So immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and leaping and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for money. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing. God, I thank you that you are as alive today, you are working as much today as in any point throughout history. As we read in your word, how you moved and intervened into the world that you created, God, I thank you that you are moving and invading into our world yet again today. God, I pray that this message would make Jesus bigger in our thinking. God, that you would remove the scales of doubt, the scales from our eyes where we would no longer see the difficulties, but we would see the opportunities of what you placed us to do. I thank you for who you are and what you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're in this series and um, the, the reality of our Christian walk is that we need to be people that understand the miraculous power of heaven is actually our inheritance as believers. It's who we're called to be. It's, you can't separate who you are in Christ and his power. You can't do that. Although people would like to, they would like to make it less or dull it down for the sake of the people around about them. But here's the thing. When we do that, we actually elevate the opinion of those around us instead of elevating God. And this is the problem that we have, is that we need to understand we are actually called to live a lifestyle of miracles. So the question I want to ask is, how do we live a lifestyle where miracles are normal? The very first thing is it starts with prayer. Starts with prayer. In verse 1 of the passage we just read, it said, Peter and John were heading to the temple to pray. Listen to me. If you want to live a lifestyle of miracles, you have to live a lifestyle of prayer. You cannot live a lifestyle of miracles and not have a lifestyle of prayer. One of the things that I value so much about being here right now is my prayer life has gone to a whole nother realm. One, one reason is because I've gotten around people who value prayer like nothing else. It's the air that they breathe. And if you're struggling in this area, here's one thing you can do. Just get around people who pray. Just get around them. Just say, hey, can I hang out? Because you will catch something. 
you will catch the desire for prayer on, that's on them. And all of a sudden you go, maybe that's, that's actually something I need to carry. Why? Because prayer fuels power. It's one of our cultural values. It's what we, we strive to do. But here's the thing. I understand for some of us that's more aspirational than what it is literal. For some of us it's like, oh, I really would like to. I'd really that would love that to be part of our life. But for some of us it's aspirational. So here's the thing. What's your prayer life? How's your prayer life at? Where's it at? Let, let, let's, let's be real for a moment. Let, can, can I just take, let me take a side note for a moment. The thing that you try and pretend that you've got it all together is the very area God can't move in. But the moment that you open up who you actually are and the stuff that you are living through, God comes and invades in that space. So never, ever, ever, ever feel, oh man, I'm such a bad Christian because I'm dealing with this. No, just bring it before Him. Prayer is, is such an important part of a believer. And here's the thing that I've found, is prayer actually reveals something about who you are. It reveals several things, but two that I want to talk about. One is where your dependence is, and the second one is where your mindset's at, or how you view yourself. Can we talk about this for a moment? Can I, can I get up in your grill a little bit? Philippians 4.6 says, But in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Could it be that the lack of prayer life actually means you're relying more on your own self to live your life, how you want to live it, to deal with the problems that you're facing by your gifts, your talents, your anointing, your whatever it may be, instead of actually God? Could it be that the lack of prayer life means that your dependence is solely on yourself? And as Pastor Corey says... How's that going for you? How's that going for you? Because last time I checked, when I made all the decisions in my life, I, I made a real bad mess. Like, like, I can tell you story after story of the stupid, ridiculous decisions. Why? Because I get we all want to feel significant and confident and that we, we've got this all together. But can we just like be honest for a moment? We haven't got it all together. It's only when we actually align ourselves with God and lean on His strength that all of a sudden things start to happen. And I don't get why it happens, but it's because of God's grace and His mercy that He starts to move and shift things in our life. The second thing that prayer reveals is our mindset. Now, for me in my life, I spent so much of my time not praying about a circumstance because of a lie that I believed about myself. I wouldn't pray for someone to get healed because I believed that's what God gave them for their own thorn in their side, as Paul talks about. Can, can we just deal with that for a moment? That is not God's heart for His people. God never inflicts sickness or disease upon his kids as a way of teaching them how to build character. Can, can we just deal with that one for a moment? Like, that's not how God is. That's not who he is. That's, that's totally against his character. Now, he will use things in our life to build character and to bring us back to, hey, come on, let's make this decision. Let's do the right thing. But he's never the instigator of it. 
The second thing that I, I often thought is, you know, I'm not worthy enough. Because I live with myself. You don't. Pray for my wife because she does live with me. And, and I know the stuff that I deal with. I know the things that I go through. I know the thoughts that I have. And I, and I would think, maybe I'm not worthy enough. Maybe I'm not qualified enough. I don't come from the right family. That was one big one for me. I'm not educated enough. Can I tell you, prayer doesn't give a rip about any of that. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. Prayer is our reliance on a God who loves us and sent his son for you and I that we could be in relationship with him. See, we need to stop approaching our prayer life like a beggar and more like an actual son. I've got, I've got a five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son, and the other day, um, I picked up my daughter from uh, coming home from school, and, and she comes in, she just says, hey, Dad, can, can we have some chocolate? Now, it's a little bit of a, an issue in our house, because I often give kids out chocolate all the time, and uh, Louise is like, stop doing it, but mum wasn't around, so I, um, I said, uh, yes, honey, no worries. Now, in that moment, the way in which she asked me All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit started to speak to me. He said, why don't you ask me for things like that? Because Sabella knows her father. She knows what her father can get her. And so she knows how to approach her father. See, so many times we we approach God in our prayer life like, oh, God, would you please, like, please, just give me two minutes of your time. I'm dealing with this. Could you just, please, I know you're all powerful. I know I wrecked this thing up last week and I'm no good with that and I'm no good with this, but please, can I tell you, can you, can you stop that? If, if my children approach me like that, I'll be like, can you just go to your room and once you work out that you're actually a son and a daughter and you can approach us with general questions and ask what you want and approach us knowing that we are there to love you and look after you and guide you and build you, Instead of it like, oh, God, would you please like, just, just kind of help me out a little bit? I love what Pastor Corey said last week. It says, when God gave us Jesus, we lost every right to begin any thought or prayer with a position of lack. We lost that ability. I tell you what, when he said that, I was like, oh, man, I'm not asking, I'm not asking big enough. Oh, God, would you expand my thinking? God, would you stretch me? Would you, would you help me to get my thoughts off the limit that I can see and onto the abundance of who you've called us to be? Because what you view is the world that you will live in. So if we want to see miracles as a normal part of our life, our prayers need to reflect those from a son or a daughter. So the question becomes, why don't we see miracles as a normal part of our life today? Well, I think that there are two reasons, and there's probably many more, but for the sake of time, I've got two. The first one's this, that busyness will cause you to miss the miracle moments. In verse 4, Peter set directing his gaze at him. Now, what you need to understand is, is that Peter and John, they were heading to the temple to pray, and, and it was their custom, they would spend two times during the, during the day, morning and evening, to go and pray. Not only that, I'm sure, little, only a little while ago, 
the church had exploded to 3,000 plus members. So you can't tell me that they weren't dealing with some issues of church growth, right? There was stuff that they had to deal with. There's things that they needed to get done. So here's the thing, is that oftentimes what we perceive in our world is busyness equals success. We, got, we, we run around from meeting to meeting, from task to task, and I'm all for, like, let's get stuff done, let's be proactive with, pro, productive with our day. I'm all for that, but when busyness takes center stage in your mind and your thinking and you don't listen to what the Holy Spirit has for you in the moment, you can miss miracles that are there for you daily to step into. See, Peter didn't allow the routines, tasks, or situations of the day to miss a moment of God's miracles. Do you know the difference between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God is though in the kingdom of, of God, obedience is the key to success. It's just simple obedience. It's not gifting, it's not prophesying, it's not laying on of hands, it's not all that stuff, it's simple obedience. You know, there is nothing that pleases me more about my kids when I ask them to go and do something and they do it with like, okay, dad, no worries. <laughs> when you have kids, you'll understand this. But you see, the kingdom of God, simple obedience will create opportunities for the miraculous in your life. The question is, do you hear the whisper and the nudge of the Holy Spirit? Or are you too busy for his interruption? I love what John chapter 16 verse 13 says, is that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. But here's the thing, if you're too busy, you will walk in what you think is true, but it's actually not truth. You will miss moments of truth because you're too busy to be guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 25 says this, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So here's the picture of our lifestyle. We've got stuff we need to get done. We've got things we need to do. We've got all of these things that we have to get done. But here's the thing. Holy Spirit, would you lead me? And I give you permission to interrupt my daily tasks in order for, you, for me to step into your, what you've got for me. And it's the safest place you can be. Can I just take another sidestep for a moment? Do you realize that the development of your character has not to do with your willpower? and has everything to do with you aligning and following in step with the Holy Spirit. Here's why. The Holy Spirit will produce these kinds of fruit within you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Of these, there is no law. Many of us are so consumed about the problem that we're facing, the sin that we keep doing, the obstacle that we keep facing, and we're looking at the wrong thing. If we would just keep in step with the Holy Spirit and allow Him to speak and produce, all of a sudden things start to, fruit starts to get produced in our life. The miraculous happens when we're sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit. My wife and I, we went in 2013 to America and uh, we went to Worship You Conference, uh, which was in, at Bethel Church in Redding, California. And uh, we, we had a whole team from our church that were there, and it was an amazing time. But in between the sessions, um, they would get people up to share their testimonies of what God had done in order to enable them to get there. 
And so we would be sitting there and, and listening, and it was incredible what God uh, was doing and had done for people, providing the finance for them to get there, providing cars to hire, places to stay. It was amazing. But this one story stood out to me. This guy got up and said, uh, yeah, I, I was coming from Central America over across to, to where, um, where Reading is and driving over there, and, and I was on my way. I was driving, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, hey, pull over. And he did that whole thing where, that you and I both do. It's like, is that Holy Spirit or was that bad pizza the night before? And so he's like, okay, all right. Well, I would rather lean towards it being the Holy Spirit and just get it wrong and learn from it than miss a moment. Can I tell you that that's a bit of a key for some of us? So the Holy Spirit speaks again. I need you to pull into this service station. So he pulls into the service station, not needing any fuel. He sits in the car and goes, Okay, what now? Which is a very valid question. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, see that vending machine over there? He's like, yeah. Do I go to get a Coke? No, no. I need you to go and do a handstand next to it. <laughs> right. What if I can't do a handstand? Obviously, the Holy Spirit knew he could, so it was all good. So he goes over there, jumps up, hits his feet up against the wall, does a handstand. Here's the moment. No, I'm not showing you, all right? I'll end up somewhere down there. He does a handstand, imagine that. And as he's seeing, he can see into the window of the office at the back of the service station. And as he's looking in there, there's a guy who is standing at his desk with a gun to his head and all of a sudden just drops to his knees. It's like, so he quickly gets down from his amazing handstand, goes into the petrol station and, and, and gets into the back and finds out there's this guy who is weeping and weeping and weeping. In that moment, the story goes that he was dealing with so many things in his life and he said, God, if you are real, then I need you to come through. I need you to send somebody to come and put a handstand right next to that vending machine. I wonder how many opportunities we've missed to bring about a God encounter for someone that's hurting and in pain. And you know what all it takes is simple obedience. I'm not saying it's not going to be costly. I'm not saying it's not going to be inconvenient. I've even had moments where it's been rather embarrassing. But here's the thing. We are living in a world where there are thousands of people that are lost and hurting, and we have the bread of life the living spring of life within us. But for whatever reason, we sometimes don't let him out. I, I want to be someone who's obedient. I don't want to allow the busyness of my life to stop me from stepping in and seeing somebody encounter Jesus for the first time. I had a friend who was a personal trainer. He was a CrossFit instructor and... Um, living a life far away from God and um, he, he came to church through, a, through a, another friend of ours and I remember seeing him, I was preaching at that service and I saw him, I got a little bit distracted anyway, I was talking to him afterwards, he's like, Dave, I just don't know if this is really real, I'm not sure if this is actually like what I want to do, I, I, it's a bit hooky spooky for me, I'm like, bro, I get it, I get it, I'm not here to convince you but let me leave you with this question, maybe ask Maybe ask God, if he's real, would he show up in your world? 
Just ask. I mean, what can you lose? You can ask it, and then maybe he doesn't show up, and then you know, okay, then he's not, not real. He's not for you. But maybe he does show up. Maybe he just shows up. Can I tell you, two weeks later, he came running into me. He's like, Dave, you'll never guess what happened. God showed up to me big time. Why does that happen? Because every time someone asks, God responds. If we would stop trying to convince people and just encourage people to ask God, let him do the whole thing. Just get out of the way and let God do what he wants to do. Just bring them in, let them have an encounter, and then like, it'll do it. Stop trying to make it all happen. What's the second thing? The second thing is oftentimes we avoid mess. Avoiding mess will cause you to miss miracle moments. We want our life to look proper, prim, all this kind of stuff, all, all nice and together. We want to wear the right things and look like we know what we're talking about, look like we know what we're doing. But can I tell you, Jesus didn't come for those who were well. He came for those who were mess. We were um, out to lunch with one of our missionaries, and she was telling this story of her time in India. And it's, it's a really sad story, um, but something that I think we need to be aware of and confronted with at times. She said that in the town in which they were uh, ministering, it's actually more profitable to be a beggar than actually to go and get work. And because of that fact, there were uh, uh, people, husband and wife couples, that when they had a baby, they would place the baby in a clay pot and they would feed it and allow the, allow the baby to grow, but it would get to a point where the, where the baby would be grown and, and, and start to be really construct, like constricted by the pot. They would leave it in there for a little while, break the pot, put it in a brand new pot because it would deform the child so that then they could go and place the child at a place to beg so the family could earn money. Like, I think about this story and it breaks my heart. And here I am living in my world, living my best life, sometimes totally oblivious to the pain that is around about me. Jesus said that he actually came for those who are lost and in pain. And we are to be the conduit of heaven. It's not your amazing power, your amazing words, your amazing works that do it. No, it's actually God's kingdom. But he needs vessels to flow through. He needs willing people that were willing to get into the mess, willing to get into the circumstance, the situations. I think for many of us, we kind of put our fingers in our ears and la, 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 oh, I don't want to know about it because it's too difficult, it's too tough. Just this week, we had friends of ours come all the way from, from Bendigo to sit with my wife and I in the midst of some stuff that they were dealing with. Why? Because they were hurting. And it was painful, and there were tears, and there was sorrow, and all of that's going on. But yet, in the midst of it was the Holy Spirit working on a heart, just ministering. That's what it's about. That's what you and I are called to do. It's not about... You know, I need to be a great preacher like Pastor Corey. I need to prophesy like Pastor Stacy. I need to lead worship like Pastor Joel. Like all of those things are great. But actually what you need to do is just have simple obedience in your day-to-day -day life where God has placed you in the university that you're at, in the business that you're at, because God's assigned you there for a purpose. Don't miss your purpose. Don't miss your moment. 
because the kingdom of heaven is relying on you to open up the vessel and allow the kingdom of God to flow through you. Some of us are not even sure what we have to give. But let me tell you, you are carrying more power inside of you than you even realize. In verse 6, it says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. There is more in you than what you realize. I was, um, when I was 15, one of my first jobs was working at a piggery. Very eloquent job, and uh, I loved every minute of it. Not really. But one of my jobs was to feed the sows. And, um, and so they were the, the mums that had just had a whole lot of piglets. And, and what it was, there was this big grain silo that would flow down and it would go to each sow pen and, and the grain would flow through it and, and deliver grain to the sow so the mum could, could eat. And so one of my jobs was to basically release the hatch and allow the grain to cut, start to flow down. And so all of the sows would do it. Now at 15, um, I, I probably wasn't the, the best at remembering things, um, and so one day I forgot to open up the thing. And so the sows went without any food. The next week, I rock up at work and my boss pulls me into his office and says, Now, David, we've, uh, we've had a little incident and uh, you now have to work the next five weeks and we're not going to pay you. I'm like, what? This is child labor. Who do you think you are? Oh, well, I didn't forget to uh, undo the, the grain so that the, the sows could eat, and now one of them's dead, which is worth about five weeks of your labor. So we're just going to recuperate that from, from you. You know what that taught me? Is that there are things that God wants to work through you that if we don't allow, if we don't have the courage to be obedient, there could be people that are lost forever. Now, I, I believe by the grace and mercy of God, that God will get a circumstance around again. But, but the problem is, I'm going to have to be held account for that. You are a conduit of heaven. Where you go, so does the kingdom of God. So does the kingdom of heaven. And the reality is, you have more power inside of you, and we need to stop allowing the enemy and what he says about you to dictate when and how you let the kingdom of God flow through you. Because you are called and you are significant in God's kingdom. You are a child of God. You have a purpose and a plan. And here's like we need to remove the barriers of us going, oh, I'm just not qualified enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not talented enough. You know what I loved about tonight is when Chelsea held in that moment of worship. I don't know if you caught this. She just held in a moment and waited. Because the goal is not to sing the song. The goal is to prioritize his presence. So if, if he's saying wait, I'll wait. If he's saying go, I'll go. If he's saying, hey, go and pray for that person, go and pray for that person. Because faith is often spelt R-I-S-K, risk. Because there's an element that you need to step out and allow God to come through and do his thing. Allow God to come through and do what he's going to do. Now, I've had many times where I've prayed for people and nothing that I could see has actually happened. And it gets discouraging. 
But here's what I've realized. Is my role is to be obedient. His role is to do the miracle. My role is just to be obedient. Be an obedient servant. Be an obedient son. Be a trustworthy son of the kingdom of heaven. And as I am that, miracles become natural and they flow and you live a lifestyle of miracles. So miracles, signs and wonders are about keeping it simple. And it's no more simple than this. It begins and ends with Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's who it's all about. In verse 6, it says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Peter doesn't say, It's because I'm an apostle from, sent from God, and I'm going to lay my hands on you right now. I don't know why that accent's coming out. Be healed in Jesus' name. No, no, it's because of Jesus. It's because of what he did. It's because of the cross that he bared. It's the price that he paid. It isn't about a formula. Because if it was about a formula, this, this is actually what would happen. You remember the story of, of Jesus spitting in the mud, right, and putting it on the, on the blind person's eyes? If it was about a formula, we would go to Israel dig up as much dirt as we can, bring it back and give it out to blind people and say, hey, just spit on it and it's miraculous. It like makes your eyes totally clear. <laughs> if it was about a formula, we would spend half an hour in prayer saying the same thing over and over again. But it's not a formula. It's about intimacy. And there's a big difference between the two. Because a formula doesn't require intimacy. A formula requires a process, but believing as a son or a daughter requires intimacy. Intimacy is actually what the goal is. In the same way that we waited in that moment, we're waiting in that moment because we want to hear what Jesus has, what he's saying, what he's doing, what he wants from us. It's about intimacy. That's why prayer is so important, because prayer changes your heart to be more like His through an intimate encounter. The goal is meeting with Him. That's what the goal's always been. It's about intimacy. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14 says, I do not, it says, this is Paul, uh, sorry, yeah, Paul speaking to his son Timothy. He says, do not neglect the gift that you have which was given to you by, the, by prophecy when the council of elders lay hands on you. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Is we, can, we can receive a gift through an impartation. Like, because of the price that our senior pastors have paid and the gifts that God has bestowed on them, we have access to that. Because we're in alignment, right? We're, we're, we're a son and daughter of this house. So... He, he can, Pastor Corey can lay hands on you and, and you can receive that gift and that's amazing. But here's the thing, he can't impart to you a history with God. And there's a big difference between the two. A history with God is something that you have to go and get. That's why, that's why it says God's no respecter of persons. Because you actually have to go and create your own history with God. 
You actually have to get in a place where it's you and him and say, God, I need you. I, I don't need another prophetic word as, as great as they are and as important as they are and as I am for them and I need them and I want them, but God, I need you. God, I need you. Because here's the thing. There'll come a time when Pastor Corey is not around. There'll come a moment where you want to pray for somebody and Pastor Joel's not there on the keys to make you sound really good. There is a moment where where you've been leaning on somebody else's gift and they're not there. Can I tell you something interesting that I I realized today happens? When Pastor Corey preaches the word, I'm like, oh man, this will go great in my message and I'll preach that. And I'm I'm like the best preacher no one's ever heard when he's preaching. It's a different story when you've got the mic because then everyone knows what you've got. Because it's out of your own history with God. For many of us, we quote a formula that somebody else has taught us. And and I'm all for giving guidelines and all that kind of stuff. But it's not about the formula. It's about intimacy with Jesus. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.